Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today we are joined by brother and sister, Nicole and Matthew Beavis. Bevis, God, I messed it up right there too. That's, that is my bad because I didn't practice that well enough. So Nicole and Matthew, you guys are the founders of your very first product launch on Kickstarter. You guys launched the Top Shelf, which is an amazing, super fast, all-access camera bag. I'm super stoked to have you guys on the show. Nicole, Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Yeah. So you guys are photographers, your brother and sister, right? So I'm really excited, one, to see how you guys actually started a company together, because that, I don't know if I could ever do that with family or let alone my sisters. But really, <laughs> what was that that inspiration, that aha moment that inspired you both to create the top shelf product, the camera bag? Okay, um, well, I'll let Matt I'll let Matt start with his inspiration and then we can go into how we came together on this. But Matt. Yeah, I was, I was a photographer doing like events and uh, especially weddings for like three or four years. And my, my passion was landscape photography and everything. And uh, when I was doing weddings, I was so annoyed just with the current camera bags. That um, it was just always on my mind. I was like, these things need to change. There's really only three or four styles of different camera bags, and every company is making a different variation of those four kind of styles. And uh, it just really, really annoyed me. And I love uh, just coming up with ideas. So yeah, it was just always on my mind. And then one day it just hit me. Boom! It hit you just there. like that. That was that was your intro, Nicole. <laughs> boom it hit him yeah um he so he was working on this for a number of years and obviously i was very impressed and matt's always been super creative um i can remember as a child you know it started with lego and that sort of thing um but he would he was always super creative and could build you know something really extravagant out of nothing and you know here comes this camera bag and he started with uh building like it out of cardboard Right. So he's got all these really neat uh, cardboard prototypes, which are amazing. But, you know, and I was watching him throughout the years and he's, you know, getting better and better. And then he's moving into plastics. So I think we had always talked about like, you know, one day this is going to be something. And, you know, we would love to work on a project together and uh, keep it in the family, as you say. And so, yeah, he comes up with this brilliant idea. Uh, he patented it, it and you know there, so there's this whole story I'm sure we'll get into it but back in 2011 uh, and it was our mother who actually lent him the $10,000 to get started and to patent it uh, but it was at that time that we knew that we would 
uh, or hoped, very much so hoped that we would be in a position to have a company together one day. And that sort of, that was the start of it back in 2011. <laughs> wow. So you get yeah. 10K of seed capital from mom and then you guys go <laughs> ahead. Why, why was the, uh, because this usually comes up on the show in the interviews is, you know, in terms of the patent process and whether or not to go through it and all the current issues with the, you know, USPTO here in the States and, you know, the PTAB offices invalidating patents and things like that. Why was that so important for you guys, you know, 10 years ago to, to go through that process and get it patented? Uh, well, I just think it's definitely a, a layer of protection, even though you're not fully protected. But yeah, just when you're investing all your time and money for years into something, and then you do that that first amount of work, and then it's just scary to think that another bigger company who's already set up in the marketplace could just, you know, see your idea, copy it, and then you'd have, you know, nothing to be able to compete against them. Well, speaking of big companies, like okay, let's let's talk about Peak Design then and Amazon, right? I'm sure oh, you, you guys are very <laughs> very aware of all of that. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on what happened there? Yeah, um, I I don't I don't think they have like we have a utility patent, and so that that's like the most secure patent. Um, I don't think Peak Design has even a design patent on their sling. But yeah, that's incredibly greasy for Amazon uh, just to like blatantly rip. Like everything's identical. Like all the stitch lines, uh, even the logo patch is exactly the same. Yeah, that's just like one of the greasiest things I've ever seen. Yeah, and unfortunately, Amazon has uh, quite a history, extensive history of doing this to other founders and creators that have success on their platform and then they just go ahead and make it themselves and white label it and force you off the platform kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It is a shame. I mean, uh, on the flip side, I mean, I hope that all, you know, it's getting this extra exposure and of course there are going to be those people that want, well, they're, they're buying a lesser of a product, right? And that should be known that uh, peak design is going to put out the ultimate product you know, and if there's somebody that comes along and copies copies it, it's probably not going to be as good. So you're going to get those people that don't want to spend the money, but then there's also going to be a good amount of people, I believe, that uh, you know want the quality products. So they're going to spend a little bit more. So keeping on the peak design trend of things, I mean, what what gives you guys the right, or what gave you guys the confidence to launch? a let's say camera accessory bag you know where peak design had already had so much success on the platform building a massive community of camera and photography enthusiasts nah. uh, I, don't, I, I don't know say it's not sounding really cocky but uh like like we are i i think that our function is like three to four times better than any other camera bag on the market so I think Peak Design bags look incredible and great quality. By the way, we share a factory with Peak Design in uh, Vietnam. And uh, so I think their build quality is great. Their design is freaking phenomenal. But yeah, I, I think that our function is uh, far superior than any other camera bag out there. Well, I think you're right, Matt. I mean, you've got over 3,600 backers just on the Kickstarter campaign alone, raised over 1.2 million Canadian. Uh, so that's just over a million U.S. dollars these days to bring this project to life. So, I mean, obviously, the photographers and early adopters and innovators on the platform truly agreed with your opinion as well in terms of 
the product that you guys put forward in terms of them potentially switching or adding this to their their accessory uh, repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so yeah. much. Yeah. We're solving we're solving a real problem out there that uh, that well camera bags are lacking and photographers are needing and wanting. Um, and obviously with uh, a lot of the pre campaign advertising that we did and such we really were able to gain the knowledge of what we like you know like was this campaign going to go somewhere or not so we had a bit of uh what i'm looking we for tested the waters and they <laughs> we tested good. the waters beforehand yeah we got a little bit of security that way i'd say yeah which is always key i mean in terms of on the design side you had mentioned that you're sharing a factory of peak design like for a first time founder to have such great success, talk about that process that you guys went through together to not only, you know, come up with a good idea, figure out how to design it, file a utility and get a utility patent for it, find the factory, do the shipping, the manufacturing, the logistics behind it. Like talk about that process and maybe some of the, the hurdles you had to overcome and, you know, some of the things that you might do differently when you launch the next product. Oh man. Like when we first, uh, started. I had drawings and everything, the schematic for what we wanted. And uh, finding a manufacturer at, at step one, I thought was going to be the easiest thing. It's like, oh, go online, type in Google search, best manufacturer. And uh, we picked one there in Oregon. And uh, we had a big meeting or two. And uh, they were like, yeah, we'll have you a prototype back in like three or four weeks. Um, three or four weeks went by. They had nothing. Then like a month and a half went by, two months, three months. I think it was four and a half months they finally had a prototype done. And uh, so we drove out to Oregon and uh, we're sitting there in the board room and they come out and it's pretty much like a plastic box just wrapped in fabric. And it lit it literally looks like they like put it off to the last moment. And then the last couple of days they're like, oh shoot, like what do we do here? So it's like be very weary about like manufacturers because they obviously want your business and everyone says that they can do it. So I learned at that point, like you actually need to find like the top guys in the world. So I, yeah, really put the word out there and kind of stalked the CEO of Mountain Equipment Co-op and I got his, his email or and his personal phone number that I found off the internet. And I left him a couple of messages of being like, hey, we're not looking to like sell our product in your store. I just like want a referral to like a, a really good manufacturer. And he didn't get back, didn't get back. And then one day he did answer. And uh, we talked for a couple of minutes. And I ended up convincing him to meet up with me. And I, um, he agreed. So I flew down there and met with him. He saw my plastic prototype and he was like really impressed by it. And um yeah, he gave us a referral to our manufacturer in the Philippines. And uh, so the top manufacturers, they don't advertise online either. They're kind of like, they try to keep themselves a bit of a secret because they don't want to be peppered with people all day being like, hey, blah, blah, blah. So you typically need to have about 5 to 10 million U.S in purchase order guarantees uh, per year for those big manufacturers to uh, respond to you, unless you get like a really good referral. 
So if you can get a referral, that's the best way to do it. My, my advice. And don't just think that because a manufacturer says online that they can do anything that, you know, I wouldn't trust that. You mean you shouldn't trust everything that's on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, definitely uh, some sound advice there in terms of, you know, warm intros, referrals, all of that, you know, doing your due diligence. You're lucky because you got to visit, you know, the designers of the factory itself and see that it wasn't what you were sold. Uh, I think a lot of folks, especially when you look at overseas development, don't have that opportunity, especially given the world that we're in now. But, you know, certainly there's a light at the end of the COVID tunnel that we're we're coming into. But, you know, for (laughs) everybody else that's out there looking to make something, you know, certainly doing your due diligence, uh, especially for your baby, you know, your product that you want to bring to market uh, is certainly critical. Yeah. So as first-time founders, what was the uh, the decision or what was the process of making a decision to use crowdfunding as kind of your litmus tester to prove market validation for the innovation itself? I think that was just it. It's- these crowdfunding sites are a really good way for market validation um, and also to get, uh, you know, people's comments and questions answered. And, you know, you find in this time, if there's any tweaks that need to be made, you're able to do that. You've got a bit of time, like you're, you're essentially pre-selling, you know, your product and people aren't expecting to receive their product immediately. There, there is a timeline. There's a three to six month window there where, if any kinks need to be worked out, you can do that. If any changes that you saw from comments that you got during the uh, Kickstarter, you can, you know, you've got time to make those changes. So I think, again, just being first time entrepreneurs, this seems like the smart way to, to go. Nice. So before the campaign launched, you guys, you know, mentioned that you were doing some, you know, testing of the waters, if you will, and you got some market insight and some validation from them. I'm assuming you set up, you know, the landing page, drove some Facebook traffic to it and then saw kind of what folks did there. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the process there to give you guys the, the utmost confidence that this campaign was going to be successful when it launched. I guess it was just it was the amount of interest we were getting and we were collecting emails. So we did work with a marketing firm and it proved to be very beneficial. They had a a sort of avenue that they, you know, was tested and proven. So we collected email addresses and reservations sort of. um, And yeah, we just, we did really well there. I mean, we collected something like 14,000 email addresses. And I think it ended up being, by the time that we launched, it was something like 800 reservations. Uh, So we, you know, that's a really good, <laughs> it's a really good number to think that you could sell. And we didn't think necessarily it was going to be all 800. But, you know, if half of that, if we got 400 people interested uh, to make a purchase, like in the first couple of days, of your campaign, that was, that was really good and promising. Nice. Yeah, 17% conversion rate on pre campaign engagement is definitely solid. But again, you know, you're looking at a community that that does fund and they are typically early adopters, right? The the camera folks out there and Kickstarter has been known to continue to cultivate a community around camera, accessories, photography and that sort of lifestyle. Right. So you guys were fishing where there were a lot of fish already. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. So after the Kickstarter campaign ended, you guys finally took a breath. Uh, any, you know, anything that you would have done differently during the campaign um, that you might do on the next one? Uh, Matt, any thoughts there? Um, yeah, like, um, I think we should have had a couple more people reviewing the bag. And it was difficult because because of the whole COVID thing. I can't travel to the U.S. and work with someone to do a review. And we only had a couple of final prototypes, so we weren't even able to ship them out to anyone. And I wouldn't, I, I, I would rather, you know, drive a couple hours and give it to someone so they can do a review. And then I could, I could drive it back home to just eliminate it being lost in the mail. So uh, because, because of the COVID we we didn't, we weren't able to have anyone like fully review the bag, but we're working on that actually uh, right now with a couple local people. Nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's always tough, right? With those golden samples, if you will, getting them into, you know, quality folks hands that are going to leave reviews. And, you know, it's tough, obviously backing a Kickstarter campaign, you don't have the opportunity to touch it, feel it, you know, put it out to work and see if it is going to be a right fit for you. And when you have those third party testimonials and reviews, those can certainly help push a consumer over the edge to pledge and trust that you guys are going to deliver what you promised. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, uh, you know, having a, a good team of people, obviously, to help with all of the, there was lots of emailing, lots of questions to a, uh, answer, lots of commenting. And it was really just me and Matt, actually. And we didn't realize how, yeah, I don't know why it didn't occur to us why we didn't think of it but like the first week of the campaign was just like it was full on customer service so having some extra team members to help with that is would be good too yeah did you guys have any idea that tokyo was going to be your top city where folks were going to be backing it from <laughs> no we've had so much interest from japan that was really surprising yeah i know japan's one of the top like camera related countries but yeah, I, 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 I didn't think that. What's also interesting with your campaign is, you know, over a third of your backers were first time backers that had never backed a project before. So congrats to you guys for bringing, you know, new new early adopters to the platform for your innovative, you know, invention. Yeah, that yeah, was really impressive. How do you, you even know that? <laughs> <laughs> So now that the campaign is over, what um what's what's been the biggest surprise now that the campaign's over? Oh, um, you know I don't well we're, so we've rolled now uh, from Kickstarter into Indiegogo and it's continuing to do well there as well. Uh, not not nearly as well as it did in Kickstarter, and we we knew this how it would kind of go because, you know, in Kickstarter, you've got just the 30 days to really get it out there. And everybody wants to jump on the thing early. Uh, we're offering special discounts and that sort of thing for our early backers. Um, we're in Indiegogo and it's still doing really well. Uh, so we're happy there. And I don't know that we knew what to expect at all. I mean, we, you know, being first time campaigners, as you'll say, it's, it's all, it's all new and it's all surprising. And, it's all amazing. <laughs> it's all really fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm interested to know where are you guys headed next with your company? Well, we, um, you know, we'll get through this part of it. Uh, we can't wait to get the product into the country and start selling on our website. And then we've got a few other ideas up our sleeves <laughs> that we hope to roll out in the next, next little while. Yeah, a couple more really exciting products. But yeah, we want to blanket the uh, entire industry as, as much as we can, obviously. Nice. So who came up with the uh, the name? Uh, I did. <laughs> that was Matt, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Solid name. Um, <laughs> well, listen, you guys have survived the interview so far, but now we're going to get into the launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. Uh, Nicole, you drew the short straw to begin with. So are you good to go? Oh, Sure. All sure right. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Oh, well, I've had a number of jobs and all were all really great, I would say. But, um, you know, working for yourself is really something special. And the motivation you get behind working for your own, your own product, your own invention, your own company, there's something really special there. And we've, yeah, I've always wanted to, to do this. So Nice. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to have a coffee with? Throughout history? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> throughout history. You know, the person that comes to mind really, like, straight off the bat, funny enough, is, like, is Peter Daring um, from Peak Design. Me too. <laughs> uh, in fact, yeah. You know, we've been following his story since the beginning, obviously. I mean... Again, when Matt came up with this idea, it was coincidentally around the same time that Peter got started. And I see a lot of like similarities in the way he runs his company, um, who he is as a person. Like he seems like a very down to earth and modest person. And you know, I'd love to sit down with him and have a coffee with him one day. Nice, a great, great head of hair. There you go. <laughs> Good to photograph, right? <laughs> <laughs> make for a good post sure <laughs> well if you had a chance to sit down with peter which i'm sure you guys will soon uh what would be your first question for him oh just um just what advice he has for us moving forward i think yeah nice. uh, navigate these waters yeah all right well matthew you drew the longest straw so you're up next uh what's your favorite spot to photograph uh globally or locally uh, either. I I've never been, but maybe Ireland. Nice. Haven't been either, but I look forward to it. Uh, what about a book that you might recommend to our listeners, our entrepreneur startup founders? I have never read a book in my life. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Favorite podcast. <laughs> you uh, know what? Matt um, prefers, I think, audio books. So Matt, that counts. Um, right. <laughs> podcast documentaries and that sort of thing. That counts, I think. Yeah. Matt, do you have a favorite? No. <laughs> no. None. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Matt, then you get the last question. Uh, and I know you guys just ran your first crowdfunding campaign and it was ultra successful, raising over a million dollars. So I want to hear your take on what does the future of crowdfunding look like? Uh, I think it's going to grow and grow. Um, yeah, I love the idea that you can be the engineer and then sell straight to the customer, not have, you know, greasy people wearing suits in the middle kind of dictating everything. 
Fair enough. Well, this has been fun. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Uh, this is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch. Tell people what you're all about, where they should go, and why they should check you guys out. Uh, the Top Shelf uh, by Beviscure on Indiegogo at the moment. Or uh, our website will always be up, uh, beviscure.com. Yeah, and we're on Instagram at Beviscure and Facebook. So find us there. And there's a lot of fraudulent sites already pretending to be us and selling our product for a lot cheaper and be aware of them. That's awesome. uh, another big issue. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely <laughs> is. But yeah, no, I appreciate you guys being on the show. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, uh, links to the campaign and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, the Gadget Flow and Product Type. Nicole and Matt, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it, and of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.